0: Welcome to Chromecast Tech It Out, hosted
1: by service-centric, people-first, UK technology consultancy, Chrome Technologies. Welcome to this very seasonal edition of Chromecast Tech It Out. I'm Sam Major, here once again with my Christmas helper, Mr. Rupert Mills, my co-founder and business partner. We're here to discuss simple strategies for helping to secure the remote workforce, uh, which is especially um, prevalent over the festive season. So with the increase in remote working over recent months and months and months and months, um, we've seen a clear, uh, that obvious increase in the threat landscapes that our customers um, are having to deal with. What do you feel is the most overlooked area of security since the proliferation of hyper agile remote working?
0: I don't know about overlooked. I think the, the traditionally IT environments have been sort of either in the office with people working remotely or have been entirely sort of devolved and people allowed to do what they like with machines and, and devices, etc. Um, most corporates have some sort of security policy, some sort of compliance, some sort of uh, edit of things they have to, to stick together with. And from that perspective, you've got policies and and. Procedures that are applied to devices. I think the challenge has been for those people to get those down onto those devices when everybody's working remotely mm-hmm. or to continue to manage and operate those um, end user compute, whatever format it takes, devices uh, in a fashion that they would have done when they were all in the office. People used to rely on them coming into an office on a periodic basis. So you'd have people working from home two or three days a week or three weeks a month or whatever it might be. But you could generally rely on every so often those devices would pop up on the corporate land and be able to be managed and I think managing that threat landscape now out and about Mm. is a challenge I think the overall addition of basically you've extended what was a confined ecosystem out into a much wider ecosystem (laughs) with all of these people at home Uh, that addition has meant Mm. that people's security boundary is no longer there it's over here Um, so I think that's the challenge that people are facing right now.
1: You've already mentioned that people are having to visit the office less, clearly. Um, so we're not getting the opportunity to patch machines as regularly or normally as normally as we would. Um, so it's paramount that we have the right tool sets in place to manage that, but also uh that you know, again as a business owner, that we educate our staff around the right behaviours. Um Given both of those, what do you think is, is is key to focus on to ensure that end-to-end security?
0: I think that in our environment, what we did was we rolled out an always-on VPN solution, um, so that actually those people who are remote are effectively extended uh, an extension of the corporate network Mm -hmm. anyway. There are cloud solutions to resolve that as well, so there's a whole bunch of new Microsoft stuff sitting within their um, cloud platform and Azure Active Directory things like uh, Defender ATP and bits and pieces like that that can help you keep control of what's out there. Mm -hmm. There's there's a lot of different products out there, Um, but fortunately for us and for most of our customer base, uh, we've been working with Palo Alto for a long time Palo Alto Mm -hmm. Networks And their security products allow us to roll out an always on VPN solution that is very well managed and allows us to use certificate based authentication. So every machine has a certificate and as it boots, it will authenticate with the VPN using that certificate to ensure it is the correct machine, but then effectively applies all the policies and details to that machine as if it was in the office before the user logs on. So they can then log on using the usual multi-factor authentication, um, whatever they, however, however you choose to secure your remote users, mm-hmm. but essentially they're treated as though they're in the office at that point. That allows corporate policies, updates, etc., to be managed using the existing tool set. Mm-hmm. So where you've got all those new cloud tools that you could roll to and say, actually, we're going to go and, and roll out um, various different Microsoft tool sets that have come along to manage Windows 10 deployments, etc. Um, They're great and they will come in time, but rather than rushing to deploy those and trying to get them out in a sort of quick and dirty fashion, what we've been able to do is allow people to continue using the existing tool set, carry on managing the device exactly as they were when they're in the office by extending the boundary of the office virtually uh, to wrap around that machine. It doesn't bring into scope people's individual IT in their houses, et cetera, because it's just that laptop or device. Yeah. Um, But it does
1: wrap that back inside the corporate envelope. So on that point, uh, just thinking, obviously, we saw um, clearly there was uh, a lack of hardware when everyone was pushed in uh, you know, mandatory working remotely. Um, there was a shortage industry-wide of notebooks, mm-hmm. uh, and we certainly saw a lot of customers buying non-standard machines to their environment. Um, now, that has settled for the most part but there is still a lot of that hardware that's out there so in that case where someone's had to go and get something that's not on their standard corporate catalogue they've brought that they've brought it home how do we enforce these policies like always on vpn uh, and bring that security immediately to the full
0: so there's uh going back to that sort of new microsoft tooling there's things like autopilot and things like that you can use to roll out to it or there's your traditional byod approaches so things like citrix or Um, some sort of virtual desktop solution where people are dialing into a corporate desktop experience but not actually on the device they're using. Um, So it's really a decision based around what tool set the um, organization has in place and how we can manipulate that to provide what they need or alternatively what the business requirement is and which tool set we can overlay with that to to add in something to do that. Uh, I think a lot of people right now are going back to trying to manage those devices that were bought in a hurry mm-hmm. um, and that's certainly something that's sort of retrofitting for want a better way of putting it yeah. um, we've been able to roll out always on VPN retrospectively out <clears throat> to a whole bunches of clients who've got Palo Alto security uh, devices in place so we've been able to say okay let's go back and roll that out and then brings things inside the corporate network which, which works um, or there's the possibility of not Currently, I'm guessing, but with the possibility of people doing a temporary step into the office, get that device on the network and then manage it externally. But generally, rolling something out remotely, something like autopilot or something like using an always-on VPN or a VPN client and then rolling that over to be always-on will be an option for organisations. Either that or, as I say, keeping that device completely outside of the the circle of trust and using a, a Citrix or similar device or solution.
1: Clearly, we've seen that the office is now everywhere. You know, remote working isn't anything new, but it's more now than ever. It's now just working. Um, yeah, this is the new normal, the next normal, normal normal. Um, but people are working from 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 anywhere possible, uh, and you know, we have seen real world examples of people working potentially places that aren't secure and have had passwords read over their shoulder. Um, so in this new age, um, what technologies? Um, should we be looking at to protect ourselves against that type of threat? And also, how do we go about educating uh, and imposing the right behaviours on our staff to counter this new proliferation of, of ways of working? It starts with security by design. Things need to be
0: fit for the purpose they're, they're needed for, designed for the purpose they're needed for. It needs to be not overly draconian, because otherwise people will avoid using it, um, but yeah security by design so that you make sure that you layer on the security depending on the sensitivity of the data what tends to happen in that situation is people tend to try and work around the system yeah. so you find that they're not actually following the security best practices or they're not actually adhering to your solution in the way you thought they would yeah. so your your security becomes null and void essentially and yeah. um, I think it's vitally important that you look at the various different data that you hold, the various different resources that people have access to, and work out how that security needs to be layered on. There'll be much more critical security for certain types of compliance data or things like PCI DSS Mm -hmm. or HIPAA data or anything like that. The security requirements around that are going to be much higher than something that's of a less sensitive nature. Um, Lower classification data doesn't require that level of sensitivity. And actually, if you can try and get your... solution whichever it is to layer the security so that you don't prohibit people from working smoothly and quickly but secure the important data in the way it should be you'll get a better end user experience but then you come back to the end users and the key point there from my perspective is education ultimately if people know why you're doing something and they know what the implications of it are then you can probably get them to buy into the security and to learn how to use it in a much better fashion than if they're just told that's the way it is and you just have to live with it Um, I think it's actually educating people on why things are secure why things have to be a certain way so right now for example coming into the festive season you've got things like phishing attacks and uh, a common one out there at the moment is Amazon Uh, with a lot of people the Amazon business over the past 12 months has absolutely skyrocketed there are people out there who've got prime accounts who never did before people out there who've so signed up and bought an awful lot of stuff on Amazon. Consequently, number are phishing attacks coming back from people trying to get credit card data, personal data, whatever it might be, mm. pretending to be Amazon is absolutely huge at the moment, along with the common ones of things like HMRC and other other yeah. things. Um, but educating people as to what that is so that when they see something, they don't immediately go, oh, hang on, I've ordered my Christmas presents. I need to log in and give them my credit card information because <laughs> there's a bad start. Um, but actually educating people as to why they're likely to see that sort of thing Mm -hmm. and what to do about it and how to tell if it is or not, Um, along with why you're putting security in place. I think just education for people is is key.
1: So as we move into the festive season, clearly we won't be meeting up in the same way that we used to. Um, So more and more people are using things like Zoom and House Party and essentially non-corporate standard apps in many cases, or you know, I'm sure no one would let their child use their corporate device or anything that's not corporate work, clearly. Um, but it does open us up to an even greater threat landscape. You know, we put these apps on, we're inviting malware in unknowingly, but it's still there. It's still something we need to take into consideration and and, and to address. So I guess, you know, what is your opinion or how do you think that's best uh, addressed because it's going to become more and more prevalent as we get towards Christmas. We can't see each other physically. So, that kind of virtual interaction will only increase. So, yeah, using corporate devices for
0: home use is going to happen uh, to some extent. I think there's a challenge for businesses into how they kind of balance what they allow people to do uh, with making sure that it fits all their corporate policies. I think there's a big thing to be said about potentially not allowing people to install applications but allow them to use something that's Mm browser-based. If they use, for example, a browser-based client for Zoom or for um, whatever it might be, WebEx, for Skype, for Teams, whatever, if they use a browser-based client for that and you're using an always-on VPN scenario, you can tunnel that traffic back through your firewalls for protection. There's obviously the zero-day threat protection stuff that goes alongside uh, palos so there's the cortex products that they've got which allow you to keep secure in a next level up from sort of traditional antivirus what's going on on those devices as well mm-hmm. uh, which we've got deployed out internally and for a number of organizations that we work with yep. that will protect against certain apps coming down and talking about apps obviously you then move into things like tablets mobile devices etc making sure that they're managed in some way so things like airwatch or intune yeah. having some sort of solution that can push policy out to those devices and can maintain what can and can't be installed. You can, if you're a big enough organization, go all the way down to having a custom app store. So people can't have their own apps and they can't pick normal apps. So you could cherry pick which apps they are and aren't allowed to install, um, along with just a straightforward policy of saying no. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could have a custom Windows 10 app store, for example, to Windows 10 to allow people to install certain apps. But the... Overriding one for me is, okay, if you control what's done in a browser and you make it browser-based, then potentially that's safer than mm-hmm. uh, someone being able to install an application locally on a machine. So, But generally, corporate policy doesn't allow that anyway these days. It's really trying to facilitate what you can to help people while they're at home and in difficult situations yeah. whilst making
1: sure that you don't leave yourself at risk. You mentioned uh, around the Palo Alto Cortex product. Obviously, had the zero-day threat Uh, option element Um, can you talk us through a little bit more about that and how that works because I know clearly we use that internally, Uh, we've never had a breach, touch wood Um, but I think that's a really interesting product to my mind is is replacing traditional um, antivirus certainly is being coupled with but we've seen installations now where people have removed traditional antivirus and are working with a zero day threat product be interesting just tell us a little bit more about that sure
0: so the zero day intention of a zero day product is it doesn't work by definitions Um, traditional antivirus works with a dictionary of definitions and says i've seen that before i know that's a virus Um, most of the zero day products out there in the market and there's a lot of them now so they work by behaviors Um, they take behavioral traits of what malware or some sort of infection or a virus might be doing and trying to do on your machine and they recognize that behavior so if it starts trying to access system files or do certain things that that are key behaviors of that type of um that type of threat Mm -hmm. what it does is is blocks them based on that behavior rather than based on a definition the idea being that traditionally used to, I mean years ago you used to get your antivirus updates once a month once a week once a night became common practice yep. uh, and then you find that actually threats are evolving so fast in the modern landscape that they can be out there for 10 15 minutes and you'll be attacked and so once a once a night update of your antivirus isn't good enough anymore So zero-day threat protection is what's coming in alongside the sort of traditional antivirus approach. But what we've seen a lot of customers doing with the sort of advent of Windows 10 is moving to the Microsoft Defender approach to replace the traditional antivirus and layering the budget from their antivirus solution on top of that with a zero-day or a more modern um, take on protection there. So it's, in my mind, a... More effective way to spend your budget and to, uh, and to protect yourself across multiple different landscapes if you have the
1: Microsoft Threat Protection uh, from Windows Ten or um, ATP. I totally agree. It fits in very well uh, with the security services that we offer to actually go in and do vulnerability assessments. And look at that not just from a technology perspective but from that behaviours perspective. You know, how do you access? Where do you access? Should you access? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And then actually working with a client base to to, to educate them. Uh, and you know be aware of phishing attacks and so on something we've seen everyone uh, i'm sure probably experienced at some point some sort of phishing attack in the inbox and educating people how to recognize that that is nefarious you know don't click on that or don't respond to that Uh, and that's why i said part of that is that behavioral piece to go with the technology side of it is let's educate people best arm them as it were
0: yeah, if you can bring those machines into scope somewhere, lock them down or secure them in a way that's user-friendly, mm. um, that kind of gives you one level of protection and then educating people gives them another level. I mean, we've seen in this organisation, with the two of us as senior members of the team, we've seen phishing attacks where people find our details on LinkedIn and then try and pretend to be us back to our own team. Uh, fortunately, they generally know us and they generally know if something's us or not, but it's, it's a very common thing of all those various different Acts happening, and it's just that education piece has told people, no, that's not Rupert, or that's not Sam, and Absolutely. I won't won't believe it. No, well,
1: I think that's key. I think it's the um, education and technology. Yep, perfect. Absolutely, thank you. Okay, well, Merry Christmas. Uh, thank you for joining us on this edition of Chromecast Tech Out. Please remember to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Uh, and any questions, as always, add them in the comments. It helps us shape future content. Well, thank you very much. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.
0: We hope you have enjoyed this episode. For more information or to speak to Chrome, visit www.chrome.co.uk. Spelled K-R-O-M-E. That's chrome.co.uk.